on the Spencer's the Pez, goking out at the cons, Renaissance fests, watch anime chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie, <laughs> sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the left to F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor, I'm just the definition of a fanboy, Listen up, fanboy. It's the Fanboy Planet Podcast, special edition. Well, it's special because, hey, it's just me, Rick Brett Snyder, moral compass here at fanboyplanet.com. And basically, everybody's pretty busy this week. Derek's off doing his play. Lon's doing some video recording. And Goodson, hey, he's changing diapers. Me, the day job has become a day and night job. And, well... We just don't want to let you down. So we're going to take you back to October of 2007 when we all gathered around the table and interviewed Joshua Dysart. Joshua being the author of Vertigo Comics' recent release, Unknown Soldier. Unknown Soldier is a reimagining of the old Joe Kubrick story. That one was all about World War II and kind of an adventure mystery. Well, it's nothing like this one, kids. All right, we are here in the back of Elusive Comics Games, still at the grand opening party, and we've got a couple of the guests here. We've got Josh Dysart, comic book writer uh, from way back. Uh, we go with Violent Messiahs. We've got uh, <laughs> well, it's BPRD coming out. You just finished Conan the Midnight God, and you, the biggest news probably is... He's got is, some news he'll talk about. He, he does, but we like to tease. This is for Andrew Preston in New Jersey. Mm-hmm who complains he never knows what's coming up. We've also got Mike Wellman, who is the publisher, owner of Atomic Basement Comics and writer on Gone, Gone South. I wrote Gone South, yes. And Swear. And Mac Afro, your producer created on that? It, created it, yeah. You're going to sort of talk yeah, about it, set, all right. So the back seat on that one. And uh, both of whom, by the way, I, I just totally pimp-slapped in a game of lunch money. So uh, <laughs> He's got all our I'm, lunch money. I'm, I'm feeling pretty proud of myself today It's because yeah. I don't know what I did. Anyway, so... Did you win that game totally? I did win that game. Very good. It's what happens when you read the rules, you know? Like, you know how to play it. School (laughs) teacher. A school teacher who knows how to take the lunch money away. That's... that's, uh, Hey... (laughs) That's how I supplement my salary. Don't talk about it. All right. Sorry. Yeah, okay. I'll cut that out later. No, you don't have to. That's all right. So, uh, Josh and and Mike, you guys know each other from way back, so you can just... Why don't Mike interview Josh and Josh interview Mike? Yeah, it wouldn't that. be the first time Mike <laughs> yeah. interviewed me, quite frankly. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, I met Mike because I was invited to be on his public access show that he has had for years. Mike and years. has a public access I show. I have one too. Everybody, all the this. kids are doing it. Wow. I know. Yeah, it's called Comic Book Geeks. Are we going to get invited to be on that with you? Come on down. Yeah, all it's right. in LA. All yeah, right. We'd love to have you down. We it's an experience. Hungry for guests. Josh has been on here six or seven times. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime Josh does something new, we, oh, come down. Let's talk about it. Yeah, yeah. So. It's a good experience. Um, Jeffrey. Jeffrey, is, yeah. He's a, it's basically, imagine, okay, it's Captain Greedy and Wonder Boy are the hosts. I'm Wonder Boy. Uh, Jeffrey is a, getting near 70 years old, very sort of cantankerous, fun guy. Uh, and I play a 30-year-old stoned version of Robin. To 
you know, Captain Greedy's Batman. Oh, so this is the second uh, year of Frank Miller's All-Star Batman and Robin. Pretty Robins. much, yeah. It's, I, quite inspiring to Frank, I think. Yeah. So, but, yeah, it's something silly we do for fun. Jits and giggles. Did I say that? Cuckoo. Yeah, you, you just did. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Sorry. It's all right. He's a wonder with sound effects. Cool. So... So, Josh, the first thing coming out, which I had actually lost track of, you've got BPRD 1946. You're working with Mike Mignola. Yes. And, and Paul, I, I, want to expl- I hate it when people use acronyms and not explaining what they are. Oh, well, Bureau of... I know what it is. Well, and you know what it is. But the title of the book is BPRD. I understand Josh doesn't that. know what it is. I don't though, know so what it is. Bureau <laughs> of <laughs> Paranormal <laughs> Research and, and Development. Oh, that explains everything. Yes. <laughs> it was defense. It's Paranormal defense. Paranormal Research and Defense? Okay, yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, I thought you didn't know. <laughs> Sorry. So, set in the Hellboy universe. That's correct, yeah. Uh, it's actually uh, BPRD 1946. Yeah, so it takes place in Germany six months after uh, the Russians have taken the Reichstag. So the war's over. Uh, Berlin has been broken into um, d- several divisions, a British division and a United States division, a Russian division. Um, and uh, and Brunholm, Brum, as it's pronounced, the professor who, who adopted Hellboy, uh, has been sent there by the President of the United States to unearth any sort of occult studies that the Nazis were working on at the time. And the, it's the very first field agent. Um, Broom is the very first field agent for the BPRD ever in history. The BPRD currently consists of two men, an older gentleman named Dr. Eaton and Professor Broom. And uh, back home in the States is a two-year-old Hellboy being taken care of in a military base, and that's where we start. So this is really Hellboy when he was a boy. Yeah, although Hellboy doesn't really factor into it too much, except for the motivations for Broom. It's a he's ah. really really interested in finding out, getting to the heart of why Hellboy has been summoned to this earth, and so um, his hope is that he can stumble on uh, further information about Project Ragnarok, for those of you who actually follow the Hellboy universe, um, in these Nazi files. And what he goes, he expects to go and sit in a room and sift through files, um, but because it's a comic book. <laughs> And Doesn't it's really five work issues. that way. We, we decide to throw a little bit more at him than <laughs> that. Four issues. Yeah. Issue three. Working. Up to M through Z in <laughs> the file cabinet. That's right. Flip, 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 Suffice flip. to say, um, at the end of issue five, uh, the Congress of the United States has decided that the BPRD deserves constant uh, funding. So um, so something happens that that makes the United States decide that what they need is a special occult organization that is militarized. All right. This is the second time as a writer you've visited sort of that era and that Mm -hmm. idea with Captain Gravity and the power of the Vril. Mm -hmm. Which was one of the many deciding factors in getting Mike to work with me. Mike Mignola was was the. Is Mike drawing it? No. (laughs) No. He is drawing the covers, which is awesome. Uh, Paul Zaceta is drawing it, and he is uh, really, really great. He's a real ink slinger, and I love those guys, you know. Paul, who's drawing it? As a setter? Is it as a setter or as a cat? I thought you said as I said. He, he and corrects I was like, me. Who? Yeah, Paul corrects anything. me on it constantly, and I have yet to. I, I don't know. Get, I think it's, I believe it's as a setter. But his first name is Paul. His first name we is know, Paul. We know this much. It's Paul. Yeah. Not Paul? Not Paul. Okay. Not Paola. I don't Paul. know. All right. Yeah. So, yeah, do you have any particular interest in that? I mean, obviously, like you've got these two World War, World War II sure, Nazis, yeah. supernatural. Is it just because okay. it's just doggone fun? Uh. Well, World War II is fascinating. I mean, we are living in a post-World War II world, and there's just no question about it. Post-Cold War, post-World War II. Cold War is a product of the, war, of the Second World War. Second World War is a product of the First World War. These interconnections are really, really interesting to me, and they shape our relationships with each other uh, and our, our, our whole sociopolitical landscape. 
And um, so I'm very fascinated in that stuff. Uh, the occult angle is also interesting, but it's it's really a ticket to the fun, you know, because I, I mean, uh, I would love to sit around and write uh, historically accurate World War II fiction all day long, but uh, the medium demands and everything else that, yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, but yeah, I I just love it. It's really really interesting stuff. I mean, um, the Nazis are so so fascinating in there, and not even in in the ways that have been exploited in the past. Uh, not as the ultimate bad guys or anything. They're just really, really interesting. The, the level of ego uh, that national socialism demanded, um, the certainty. The, there's just something so fascinating about the extremity of their thoughts and um, and, uh, and about the German consciousness, too. I mean, one thing, dealing with 1946, that's really interesting to me, and I got as much of this as I could get in there without slowing down the pulp, but um, is uh, the guilt, you know? What does it mean to be a German in 1946, especially if you were buying into the National Socialist dream? And now it's over, and you're looking around you, and, and, and your country's destroyed, your economy's wrecked, you're back to where you were right after the First World War, which is in a miserable, miserable place, and, uh, and it's because of something you believed in, you know, something yeah. you believe wholeheartedly in and that you thought would never fail, and that's a very interesting thing to write about. Mm-hmm. And then you roll from that into the Unknown Soldier, which was a World War II hero. That's right. Or yeah, a, a feature set in World War II. Right. Yeah. Say, don't think he had any Golden Age actual appearances. No, no, but it was definitely uh, it fed on the Golden Age Advent- World War II adventure comics, without a doubt. The, the original. But, but you're not setting him in no. World War II. No, I'm not. Well, one of the demands. Um, a Vertigo was a revamp, so I would have. I would love to tell. World War II unknown soldier stories, and they would look a lot like the originals. Um, uh, but that wasn't the mandate, and that's okay because I'm very, very interested in a political situation in northern Uganda between the Lord's Resistance Army and the Ugandan People's Defense Force. It's been going on for 20 years. So I decided to set the unknown soldier there. But it's it's still uh, socio and uh, sociologically, politically, culturally, it's a very different book, obviously. Um, however, the core values of the comic are in place, and that is a man with a war – of his own, in this case the Northern Ugandan War, and a man with an enemy of his own to go after, which in this case isn't Adolf Hitler as it was in the original. In this case it's Joseph Kony, leader of the Lord's Resistance Army. Now it's really set in Uganda. You're not. It, it's not a DC renamed country. No, that, or that's that's parallel. Or it's in a Chole land, Northern Uganda. I just spent a wow. month and a, a little over a month there in Uganda wow. um, doing research. I crossed. Um, yeah, I actually crossed a minefield on the back of a Boda Boda, which is a motorcycle taxi to get to cross the Sudan border. Um, traveled all up and down the DRC border, um, which you know, one of the most unstable. Is this the most frightening experience of your life? Not at all. I, I have to say it was really, really amazing. Um, uh, a Choli land has been peaceful um, for a little while while they've been ha- handling the Juba peace talks in Sudan. So things have really slowed down. It's still landmined, um, and there's occasional murders while I was there. A World Food Program truck driver was murdered. Um, but but for the most part, it's incredibly safe. And the Acholi, which is the tribe I was spending my dominant amount of time with, um, the Acholi are incredibly wonderful, open, kind-hearted people. And one of the most amazing things about Central Africa I found was um, – the, the real juxtaposition between sorrow and joy, such an, there's such an elation. Um, the, the people are just so happy, and the, uh, the, there's so much life in them. But also we're talking about possibly the longest-running, most underreported humanitarian crisis zone in the world. I mean, there's more nonprofits operating there now than anywhere else in the world. There's over 400 registered NGOs operating in northern Uganda. Um, that's extraordinary. I mean, you know, a, 
it's unbelievable. The United Nations World Food Program is all over the place. The United Nations um, mine pro- demining program is trying trying to get in there and demine the situation. It's just it's unbelievable. So you're bringing the the unknown soldier into this environment. That's correct. Yeah. He's into on his the, own, rogue, or is he part of an organization? Or he's uh, well, I, I don't want to get into it too much because okay. I want it to be a little bit of a surprise. He's with Blackwater, right? Uh, but he would. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's not enough uh, political money. commentary. Yeah, <laughs> not enough money there for Blackwater <laughs> to be in Northern Uganda, unfortunately. Um, uh, I don't want to get too much into it, but the storyline starts with the. Gen- in this case, we know who the unknown soldier was beforehand, which I've already gotten some criticism for. Mm. How can he be an unknown soldier? But I, I think the mm. unknown. The unknown part of this is meta. <laughs> it's it, just because you know who he is doesn't mean you really know what's what is what right. is. Um, and so, since we're telling a story about a post-colonial world, um, and I certainly don't want to blame all of Africa's problems on post-colonialism, but we are dealing with a post-colonial world, and our character is, in a way, that this sounds going to be ambiguous now, but once you read it, you'll understand. Our character himself is a post-colonial character. He was born in Uganda um, during the last days of Idi Amin's reign, right before the um, right before he was pushed out by Ugandan exiles. Um, uh, my character's family, uh, Moses Lawanga is his name. My character's family fled to the United States um, to escape the sort of tyranny that was happening in Uganda at the time. And so my character was raised in the United States. He got a, a degree uh, in medicine from Harvard, and then he decided the best thing he could possibly do with that degree was return to Uganda. And, uh, and sort of preach a form of pacifist Ugandan nationalism. Now, in the very beginning of the first issue, he's receiving an award for pacifism and peace work. Uh, and at the end, he kills a man. And that's the beginning of The Unknown Soldier. So. What about the trademark bandages? Is he Absolutely. So when, when they hand this to you, say, it's Vertigo, saying we're going to do The Unknown Soldier, you have some elements you have to play with, but it's completely divorced from the DC universe and any previous incarnation, right? I mean, uh, it's just using the title and... It actually takes place in the same continuity. There's been a continuity stretch, and it's made some people unhappy. And, you know, it's with with, um, with the fans and the readers, it's hard to keep everyone happy. But there's been an interesting continuity stretch. You have the um, the original work uh, and, and what it represents, what it means, and its sort of attitude towards conflict and war. And then you you know you have and then you have a couple of other runs, and then you have the last one, which was Garth Ennis's run, mm-hmm. uh, uh, which is was very concerned with what I felt like was following the natural logical conclusion was we are the heroes of World War II, and then we have taken that uh, um, that regard to which the world has for us, and we've sort of perverted it with political blowback and all this other stuff that we've been doing throughout the Cold War, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and Garth played with that, and I thought very successfully. Our storyline, though it has a different unknown soldier, actually does take place in the continuous continuity, which was more was my decision. It wasn't something that Virto asked for. In fact, the ties to the original um, are all are things I'm struggling to find a balance between what's new and, and what is uh, okay. what's going to be honest to the original. This is gotten, I might not succeed. No, it's all right. This has gotten unexpectedly heavy. Yeah. No, no. It's, it, this is, you just sound more intelligent than most of our conversations happen to be. So <laughs> that's all right. That's now. all right. Do you know any fart jokes you could throw? Uh, <laughs> uh, let's talk about Conan. He slices things. He cuts things. Yeah, uh, not yeah. Josh's Conan. 
Not Josh. Thanks. <laughs> Mike, yeah, yeah. Josh, Mike, Mike Conan was about what? his, his middle age crisis. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. <laughs> so, all right. You uh, thought Mike would throw in some jokes? No, but we're just talking about Uganda. <laughs> I, I mean, it's nothing funny about it. But I do have a question because you you said you went and did research. Now, I've always been fascinated when when writers get to do that. Did DC pay for you to go to Uganda? Uh, they did not. I received. Um, well, to be quite honest, Avril Lavigne paid for me to go to Africa. Wow. Uh, I, You're yeah. Avril Lavigne's little boy. Then. <laughs> That's All right. right. Um, no, uh, I received development fee from D.C., and that certainly helped, but I would have received that fee had I stayed at home and just read books. Um, the the problem was is that it's incredibly underreported, and there's virtually no way to have a real sense of the ground truth of this conflict unless you go there, uh, much more so than, say, Iraq, which is overreported, overexposed. Like, there's people everywhere trying to figure out what's going on there, um, but... But not Uganda. Misinformation prevails. Um, I have a great – Museveni, the president of Uganda – again, I know this is getting heavy. I'll make it short. Museveni, the president of Uganda, is um, a real darling in the global media for the way he's turned around the economy of most of Uganda. I distrust Museveni deeply, and I question that all information coming out of the conflict isn't tainted by Museveni's own personal, political, and financial interests. So I had to go. That was the only way. Wow, the comics world, Sean Penn. Shit. <laughs> Are you going to punch me now? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> wow. I, I had to break that tension. I'm sorry. That's right. That's, I understand. I did a, I'm just fascinated you're the just, fact that you're Avril Lavigne's <laughs> ambassador to Uganda. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I have to wear a patch. It's got Avril's face. Wow. Go, go okay. spread her muse mm-hmm. or her mm-hmm. muzak. Mm-hmm. Now, I did a graphic novel of Avril Lavigne's Make Five Wishes. And, uh, oh, cool. The yeah. manga thing? The uh, manga thing, the two-volume yeah. manga. And uh, um, it was, the money from that allowed me to pay off the IRS for a lifetime of shirking them and, and travel to Africa. You know, and There's but, two you know what I'll wishes. Tell you, I believe if you, if you just criticized U.S. policy in Uganda, um, the IRS is coming back for you. Yeah, Thanks. you think so? Fortunately, oh, they paid off. To this. Oh, they totally listened to this <laughs> sure podcast. There's a guy there. You're like, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> Got another one. All right. Uh, and from that to uh, Mike, tell oh. us about your project. Let me tell you about my lofty uh, goals, projects, um, and all that stuff. Are you curing cancer now? That's right. That's what I, I read is well, you're actually doing some you know, genetic research. I and was, you've uh, and uh, building fences in New Orleans. Yes, I don't want to travel overseas. You guys but. might not have seen it because it was in Discovery Magazine, which probably a lot of your readers don't see. But Mike actually built a balsa wood canoe and uh, – he, he rode that canoe all the way to the Polynesian Islands from the Mexican coast to prove that human migration could have gone that way. I was very impressed oh, that was with you? that. That was me. That, that was, that was, that was me. Also would. Why do you think I only do like one book a year? I'm out, you know, doing things. I, I guess. Yeah. Living wow. life. The only way, you know, learn. Wow. Experience. Yes. We have utterly wasted our lives. You speak for yourself. <laughs> How do you uh, feel? Well, yeah. Look, no, you work for Microsoft. You've utterly wasted your. Oh. No, oh, these guys are trying to help humanity. I know. Look at. Uh, <laughs> you know, every uh, day starts with a shower, right? Uh, <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't either, but I'm I guess a it's dirty, dirty, dirty man. <laughs> Google it. <laughs> All right. Okay. So yes. th- well, what what book this year are you writing? This, after? this year, uh, <laughs> well, my most recent uh, book is um, Star Trek, uh, the manga, volume two. Um, I was a co-star to Will Wheaton on that, much oh. like uh, the cast members of Stand By Me. I am the River <laughs> Phoenix to uh, that book there. Oh, I, well, I don't know if I compare yourself to River Phoenix. Were you involved in, in volume one? Jerry O'Connell. I was not alive. involved in volume okay. one. Um 
Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Be Jerry O'Connell. Oh, I'll be the Jerry O'Connell. It, guy. Things worked out for him. Yeah. yeah. People made fun of him. So I was the guy that didn't have the leeches on his loins. Okay. Yes. Uh. Remember that scene? Yes, I do. Yeah. Um, anyway, Will Wheaton was awesome. Really genuine, nice, you know, nerd. And and I would say that in front of him. He's just. And I read his. He, he's also got a book. I'm gonna pimp Will Wheaton for a minute. Just, That's okay. Is that okay? Maybe he'll come on. He's got a great uh, a great sort of autobiographical. It's a bunch of essays, really, sort of thing, called The Happiest Days of Our Lives, and it's about growing up in the 80s and being a nerd and all that stuff. And something I'd, I identified with, and, uh, you know, yeah, you will too. Um, but as for me, uh, I did a, uh, a story in the re- latest uh, Star Trek manga. Uh, it's called The Trial, which was uh, lifted wholeheartedly from Franz Kafka's The Trial because I had no original ideas for it. Um, well, and, Kafka was a hack anyway. So. Oh yeah, total. Like, yeah. Well, it, this is the funny thing, you know. I, I lifted a lot of the sort of surrealistic sequences, you know, with with uh, I, I can't, Joseph K being seduced by one of the court clerks. And mm-hmm. all this. Yeah. And and as soon as CBS saw it, they're like, okay, that's got to come out. This has got to come out. That Klingon can't be called Kafka because I didn't want to like just. They wanted to change it to Corn with a K. And I was like, please. <laughs> so we we called him Kafka. And and like all good science fiction and and you know uh, trying to walk in the footsteps of my mentor Josh here, oh, I, I injected oh, you're, some you're mentoring some, him. some Guantanamo Bay you know sort of parallel you know sci-fi you look at the world through a, a lens and okay. you know, make your own judgments and yeah that, I did that uh, I created a character called Mac Afro which uh, has bridged uh, many. Uh, Tensions and gaps all over the world. <laughs> um, he's a pimp in space. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, won, mm-hmm. Uh, it won the NAACP's award uh, for publication of the year. Uh, it came out. Yes. Wow, really? Really? <laughs> no. <laughs> we've I'm, read it. I'm ready, <laughs> I'm ready to believe in anything at this point because I really thought we were just going to go, oh, you're an unknown soldier. Cool. Oh, he God, I need now, to yeah. donate money to a <laughs> cause. <laughs> well, the best way to save Uganda is to buy the unknown soldier. That's right. Yeah, that's I, think, I think it's true. Yeah. Well, you know, it brings up a really interesting point, which is um, that I've been struggling with, is how do I make this, uh, keep this entertaining, keep it commercially viable? It's a war book uh, and yet deal with these issues honestly and not have it be I mean look I'm left of linen but I, I don't want it to be some liberal fantasy like Blood Diamond where the white guy comes in and fucking say oops, sorry about that and saves the world and everything uh, I'm, I'm actually so Mac Afro's really sick some Mac Afro role he is in. the unknown soldier he is the unknown soldier a lot of people don't know it's yeah. the zero issue and he has right a now. way with the ladies mm. he does he does and uh, yeah I mean uh, speaking of a way with the ladies uh, one of my early or sort of publicity attempts was I tried out for Blind Date, and uh, in my audition, I referred heavily to Mac Afro, which was my new baby that had just come out, and I was newly single, and uh, he was he was hmm. kind of like the guy I would go to for advice, and I really pimped myself like that to these people, and I did not wind up on the show. No. Really? No, no, but um, that's okay. I'm kind of surprised. Not that I've ever actually watched Blind Date, so I don't. Oh, it's a great show. That's the best reality TV show. Seriously, if you it's, watch any reality, it's like saying it's, it's the debatable. best skin disease it, you yeah. have. And one of the best written shows on television. Have you guys have you watched Blind Date? It's great. They have these like word balloons that pop up. Yeah, and it's, it's a living like reality pop up TV reality. comic. Yeah. Well, then, okay. The only reality show I've seen is The Clap, where those people are on the island. Wait. And one of them has The Clap. That's not my joke, but it's uh, Mark Andrew. Battle joke. Royale, I think. Yeah, actually. That's right. <laughs> Battle mm, Clap. Battle Clap. <laughs> I like it. Okay, there's my bad manga title again. Good. Yeah, yeah. I'm adding to that to my Battle list. Battle Clap. I like it. Battle, Battle Clap. clap. 
Okay. Um, and I'm <laughs> so, not done. I'm not done here. Okay. Let me finish. I'm not but kicking Mac you out. Okay, cool. Mac Afro is a continuing series, right? Uh, somewhat. When I have the urge. The, the great yeah. thing about self-publishing is you do it when you want to do it. You know, um, Kind of like Frank Miller's adapted that in his all-star Batman and Robin run. It's not really self-publishing, but that's just selfish publishing. Selfish publishing, yeah. Um, That's why you don't pay people in advance, okay? Mm. That's DC. We'll learn that one day. I will learn that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I do it whenever. You know, we we did a four-issue miniseries out the gate and and tried to keep it on a semi-regular schedule, and it was just grueling and and not very financially rewarding. So I I do have a comic shop. That is financially rewarding. All right, even though we're in elusive comics and games, okay. pimp we your are, shop. Pimp we're, your we're, shop. We're like sisters, 600 we're miles Yeah, south I don't yeah. think we'll be stealing any of their customers. Uh, but it's called The Comic Bug, so it's in and Manhattan Beach, California. Manhattan it's a great Beach. show, and they uh, store, and they just reopened in a large Yeah, we burned space. down, and we, like a phoenix, we rose from the ashes. And wow. uh, we were Eisner-nominated this year, um, also an Eisner-loser. Uh, I guess you know that's, the, our great, that's the great thing about being nominated. Our, our, it's just our, an our, honor to be nominated. Yes. Our friend Carr yes. yeah, won it, so there you that's go. right. Yeah. yeah, and 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 deservedly so, I would say. Yeah. In this instance, next year it's you, man. Yeah, I know because he can't win again. Wasn't the the fire no, was can't. on Wednesday, right? It was on Comic Book Day. New it was comic on New Comic Day. And there's these great photos uh, on their blog of Mike. Hawking comics in the parking lot of the store while firemen run behind him to put it out. Yeah. And Mike, a good comic book soldier that he is, is selling new comics that he went to pick up from the diamond. He believes in the product. That's, that's right. That's, that's, that's a beautiful awesome. Photo, kids got to have their comics, you know. That's right. You got kids? You got kids no. at the store? No. no, no, no <laughs> I'm saying that the 80 year old kids, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Any but, women? Any women? Because we're working on that. Oh, I, yeah. I, I work very heavily to make. The store inviting to to females. Right. Um, so yeah. since you were on Star Trek the manga, we can talk about a, a current event this week. Sure. Uh, your reaction to the casting for Star Trek this week? Simon Pegg as Scotty and uh, John Cho as Sulu. Oh really? Okay, there we go. <laughs> He's you not know, kidding. I've only seen the like I've seen all the Captain Kirk movies and all. I've seen the Next Generation movies. But I haven't seen Voyager. I haven't seen Enterprise. Uh, I will go see. The it's JJ okay. I mean, they're playing the, they're playing the original. Yeah, they're playing. The yeah, yeah, crew, yeah. I, so. I know what's going on, but I just didn't know who's playing who. Okay. Um, sure, whatever. <laughs> who else is good for it? You know. Uh, and yes, and it's an adaptation of I think the Metamorphosis. So I think you should. Oh, they're, they're adapting. <laughs> you know that there was a. Star I'm a little Trek slow episode. today, guys. That's right. There is a Star Trek episode by that name. I'm sorry. I really was going back to the well, I know. Today. I was going to dig out my DVDs and like, oh, I got to see this, you know, and see. The see Enterprise they... flies over Uganda. That's right. And, uh, That's right. And saves the whales. Right. Oh, are there whales in Uganda? There are no whales in Uganda. Not since you got me There's a left. very large lake. Yeah, that's right. It was Emin who drove the whales out. The whales and the Indians. Yeah. Oh. There's not a lot of food in Uganda, so the women that's don't get true. as big as as they do over here not, sometimes. Not true. Oh. It's actually incredibly rich. Oh, okay. Is it? Yeah, yeah. See, we're learning so much. He's doing a whale joke. There's a bit of a, there's I, a, bit of a famine. There's not a lot of krill there. That's true. Okay. Anyway, yes, Mike and Josh question. should probably get back to signing. I'll just... <laughs> We've gone way over. We said, we said 10 minutes. We, we want to thank you. Like, we will. Oh, we will. You. I was going to. I was just saying. No, 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 we're we're going to wrap it up. Thank you. We thank, uh, we thank Mike Wellman and Josh Dysart. Hope uh, to have you on again sometime. The next time Anna convinces you to come on up. Nice. Or we go down. We'll be part of the, what was the, the name of the oh, public access? Geeks. Yeah, comic let me know when you're coming. Yeah, yeah. totally. And, uh, Do you guys get down to L.A. ever? Occasionally. Cool. So, Cool. Well, we'll join you guys over the table a little later. Cool. Nice. Thank you very much. Thanks for being on. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. 
Check out Unknown Soldier on stands now. You won't be disappointed. And this is Rick Brett Snyder reminding you to use your powers only for good. And thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.lukeski.com.